Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is Q&A podcast number 16. 16. I'm on about hour 16 right now of a water fast. So that means I'm consuming no calories, just beverages to get in a uh, state of real solid ketosis. It's something I try to do about once a week, do like a 20 to 24 hour fast. The downside to this is that I think you take, at least I do, I take a little bit of a cognitive hit when I do this. I'm just not quite as sharp as usual as evidenced by some brain training scores that I just attained that were a little bit a little bit low for me. So I guess there's a, a little bit of a, a trade-off when you're doing hardcore ketosis for 20, 24 hours. You're going to get a little bit of a hit in your cognition department, but the long-term health benefits of it are, I think, really worth it. And there's also kind of a, a hedonistic payoff to it. This evening, I'm going to my very favorite restaurant with my girlfriend and we are both doing a simultaneous uh, fast it today and so after you do a fast the the food you have a really big decadent meal is just all the better it's really amazing but if i'm not quite as uh, verbose and witty as as you've come to expect me to be on this podcast that's that's why your your wittiness has everything to do with your your cognition. And so if you're only firing on about 90%, you're only going to be 90% as witty as you are usually. So that's a good reason to good reason to biohack your cognition, right? We've got five great questions that I'm going to address here. First of all, I want to mention a few things. So I will urge you, I'll urge everyone to go and check out my guide on how to biohack smart and safe. Any recommendations that I make here are not actually recommendations. They are just uh, entertainment for your audio pleasure. If you, you know, are going to be making serious decisions about your health, go and see a doctor. Go and see two or three doctors, ideally, which nowadays is a whole lot easier because you can find doctors that do uh, Skype consultations. So a lot of times you don't you don't actually have to do the whole thing where you make an appointment with a doctor's office and go and sit there in the doctor's office for 40 minutes waiting while the doctor sees you and then you finally see the doctor for about three and a half minutes and he gives you his diagnosis. You can, you can just talk to people over Skype and it's less expensive and certainly takes a whole lot less time. So my opinions are just me as a self-experimenter and a researcher practicing my free speech and then I'm also going to direct you to something that I call skin in the game biohacking coaching and this is a a program where people often find that what they really need to overcome their health issues or go to heaven life is they need discipline and they find that they run into a glass ceiling of self-administered discipline. There's all sorts of great things that you can do for discipline. You know, I did this series called Life Hacking 
discipline with, I think, about 24 different life hacks, biohacks, strategies for self-discipline. And those are great. I encourage you to use those. I use many of those. But sometimes what you actually need is you need social pressure. And that can be a discipline mechanism that it's 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 hard to find a substitute for that this this probably has everything to do with our evolutionary psychology as pack animals that we just do a whole lot better job of reaching our potential when we have other people that are there pushing us and so you might think oh great you know i'll just have like my wife or my husband boyfriend girlfriend roommate some person mom dad some person that cares about me and they will be my accountability but accountability buddy right and that works rarely that works in the minority of circumstances because your accountability partner that that holds you responsible to things should be a person that can actually really kind of put some pressure on you and so this is a relationship that you want to have isolated and compartmentalized you don't want to have the friction that this sort of thing inevitably entails spilling over into your life with your boyfriend roommate wife husband whoever so that's why i offer this kind of like it's kind of like a really bare bones really lean life coaching program and i've got this great form on my website i'm really proud of this form everyone who submitted it has said hey this is this is a helpful form and what it does is it kind of uh you fill out some information should take you about 10 to 15 minutes to fill out if you do it proper justice and it'll start to narrow down what your issues with uh, biohacking or or discipline might be and then i'll receive it and then i'll respond in about uh, 24 to 48 hours and tell you if I think I can actually help you. If I can't, then I will let you know and I'll, uh, I'll wish you the best of luck. Let's get into these questions. And the first one was submitted by uh, Inspired by Bliss. And he said, what about wet dreams? Does that also affect the same way as fab slash wanka? And this is a question about no fab. So this is a question for the gentlemen and wet dreams. Uh, okay, so you've heard all these different people talking about no fab, that no fab is a really good strategy for men. For men, it's a really good way to increase your testosterone, to increase the amount of energy and aggression that you have in life. But of course, uh, someone's, you know, as soon as you hear about NoFab, you kind of wonder, you're like, hey, I kind of remember when I was a young man, I would have these wet dreams. I'd wake up and I'd find that I had like ejaculated in my pajamas at night. It was, it, uh, it was kind of an inconvenience and it required, a, you know, sometimes taking a, a shower uh, in the morning when you didn't have a whole lot of uh, time and you were kind of rushing out of the door and you had a, you had a mess on your hands to clean up, right? And I wouldn't really put wet dreams in the same category as uh, as fabbing to, uh, especially to pornography, because in the book, uh, the Tao of uh, Health, Sex, and Longevity, and then I think also in the other book, The Multi-Orgasmic Man, he talks about the difference between uh, full ejaculation and partial 
ejaculation. And there is a difference. And I'm sure you have experienced this. You know, when you, there's the full, the full ejaculation, really ball, uh, ball emptying ejaculation. And that is going to, of course, make it so that your body has to produce all of the uh, all the sperm and all of that all of that special cocktail of uh, biological chemicals that you're you know spilling out of you when when you do that thing and that's a big difference to what can be uh, what what the book calls coming lightly and the Taoists recommend that when you do come that you come lightly that you do it like a little bit and that you continue to kind of uh, clench down on your PC muscle as you're coming so that you come just a little bit. And typically when you have a wet dream, I'm pretty sure that that is a, that that's a, that's less coming than what you do, especially when you're, when you're masturbating to porn and you're trying to, you know, maximize the ejaculation, right? So I wouldn't be so worried about those. I have done quantification of this myself where I'll do like a period of no fab and then I will then and and I'll be carefully monitoring, you know, what is my state of mind, my state of aggressiveness. I'll be monitoring myself with the dual end back and then I'll go and then I'll end the no fab. <laughs> And then I'll do like brain training after that and meditation after that. And so I'll get uh, a subjective as well as an objective measure of like what is the difference in between uh, of what is the difference. And of course, of course, there's of course, there's a a noticeable difference the day after you uh, you fab, you, you get a little bit of that. People call it like an ejaculation hangover. And I've also noticed from myself that, yeah, if I do a extended period of no orgasms, that I will have wet dreams that seem to happen, oh, you know, maybe once every, like, maybe once every 20 to 40 days, I'll have one of those if I'm doing an extended no-fab period. And I have... I've done the same thing. I've done the self-monitoring for, you know, uh, subjective and objective measures. And I don't think that you take quite as much of a hit as when you have this huge uh, dopamine dump and uh, draining event from your body as when you're doing, as when you're, as when you're fabbing. So if you're, if you're kind of, if you're worried about, if you're worried about wet dreams, I would say don't worry about those quite as much. And I'm a little bit different than the really hardcore nofab guys because what I say is that you should try to do a, a tantric cultivation so that you can eventually, you know, be a multi-orgasmic man that can really uh, pleasure a woman in a, in, a, in a thorough, complete way. And so what I advise is doing the, uh, doing tantric practice, which is kind of where you're doing like masturbation and meditation at the same time without porn avoiding coming and what you'll sometimes do when you're doing when you're doing this is sometimes you inevitably especially when you're practicing this what you'll do is you'll you'll end up doing these full body orgasm breathing techniques and you'll have this cool full body orgasm it'll be it'll be pretty cool but then you'll notice that you have ejaculated just just a little bit and that's kind of what I recommend because 
it's it's not great for your prostrate to uh, to to never uh, come, and it's also not good for your for your man muscle, your 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 penis muscle down there. You you want it to get a little bit of exercise. So for for those people out there that are like no fab for life and then i'm also a MGTOW incel so basically uh my penis just never ever gets touched never ever gets any exercise that's not good either so uh check out my my articles the little course that i put together which i'll link to on the journey from no fab to tantric sex the next question, not quite so, not quite so lurid. This came from a guy from JC, and he said, "Excellent content as always. For any chance, do you know a good nootropic to speak more fluent? Sometimes I can't pronounce uh, really well the words when I speak. Sometimes I forget words and articulate phrases. I worry now. Thank you for your information." As I was talking about in the intro to this Q&A podcast, this has everything to do with your cognition. So the nootropics in general help with this, although there is one which is renowned, I think above and beyond any others, for being really helpful with your verbosity, and that would be paracetam. People take paracetam and they just report consistently that they don't seem to find themselves with words, uh, you know, eluding them there on the tip of their tongues. It seems to work pretty good, so you should try paracetam. If you've already tried paracetam, try it with the other nootropics that complement it that I discuss in the paracetam protocol because there's a couple of cofactors that paracetam has that really unlock it, that make it even better and will probably open up your vocabulary for you. Failing that, if you want to try something else, you should do what I do, which is start doing video blogs. And you might think, oh, geez, I don't want to put my face and my thoughts and ideas out there for public consumption and scrutiny and possible embarrassment and doxing and all that craziness. What I recommend to everybody that wants to improve their communication skills and wants to improve, especially this their fluency and their verbosity is make video blogs, but don't publish them. Just get in front of your cell phone camera or your webcam on your computer and make video blogs and just try to speak extemporaneously about a topic that interests you. And then you can upload these and you can set them as private as unlisted on YouTube, or you can just save them on your computer or heck, you can just delete them, but I guarantee you that this will improve your fluency. So give it a try. What you could also do is think about the people in your life, or maybe even uh, people that have been close to you, but now they're gone or whatever reason, and make video blog letters to them telling them you know, what you think of them and telling them what you have to say to them. But then you have no obligation to actually send these to them. You can just upload these things of what you would say to them and then let it go. Then just leave them unpublished up there. And this will be something that'll really be some good practice. And then 
go back and listen to yourself, watch yourself, and you'll notice all of this room for improvement and it really is something that improves fluency over time. Next question, someone said, hey JR, can you take a look at this? And he sent me a study. This is a rather interesting study. This is the sort of thing that I like to look at. And it was a 2017 study, so it's recent, uh, relevant, I would say. And it says, a combination of nootropics, of nootropic ingredients, which is this product that is referred to as CAF plus, CAF plus, is not better than caffeine in improving cognitive functions. And I'll synopsize a couple of things from this study for you. Most nootropic, quote, most nootropic compounds claim to have positive effects on cognitive performance. In this study, we tested the effects of the nootropic compound CAF uh, plus on cognitive functioning. CAF plus contains a combination of ingredients that has separately been shown to boost cognitive performance, including caffeine, L-theanine, vinpocetine, L-tyrosine and vitamin B6, B12. We examined whether CAF would improve cognitive function in healthy participants and whether it would prove more effective than caffeine. We used a randomized double-line placebo-controlled three-way crossover design to examine the performance of 21 healthy participants on a test battery aimed to measure memory performance, attention, sensory motor speed. And I'm going to Google this product because I'm curious about it now. Oh crap, I have to connect my Wi-Fi on my device to do that because I would say that this, this study is really not good marketing for this product, is it? Anyways, so the main outcome measure was participants' performance on verbal learning test, subject alertness, heart rate, blood pressure. We'll also monitor participants were tested at 30 and six at 30 and 90 minutes after treatment. We found that after 90 minutes, the delayed recall performance on the verbal test after caffeine was better than after CAF plus treatment. Further, caffeine. Uh, but not CAF, improved the performance in working memory task. In a complex choice reaction task, caffeine improved the speed of, of responding. Subjective alertness was increased as a result of CAF plus at 30 minutes after administration. Only caffeine increased diastolic blood pressure. We conclude that in healthy young adults, caffeine improves memory performance and sensory motor speed, whereas CAF plus does not affect the cognitive performance at the dose tested. So again, that's that's not good marketing for that particular product. I'll venture here. These so so this nootropic stack, Calf Plus, this is kind of like your generic nootropic stack product that you're gonna see out there. L-theanine, vinpocetine, L-tyrosine, and vitamin B6 and 12. There are like a ton of products out there that are priced. Oh, you've seen a bunch of these before. You've probably tried a bunch of these before. They're priced in between like $29 and $49 for a month's supply. And they contain basically those kinds of things. And those ingredients, they're not totally useless, okay? But 
A lot of those ingredients are anti-aging compounds, and they are compounds that are, in the studies, they're demonstrated to help people that have different deficiencies, like uh, vitamin B12, for example, is great for people that have neuroplasticity issues and that they want to improve neuroplasticity. Okay, uh, L-tyrosine is good for people that have uh, that have issues with, okay, it's acute, acute stress that they want to blunt the cognitive hit that they take from acute stress. Um, L-theanine is pretty good for, I'd say, healthy people in general. But I think what they're looking at here is they're, in this study, they were comparing these nootropics, which are, they're helpful as long-term, as long-term strategies for performance enhancement and treatment of chronic conditions, but they're not really a go-to for short-term performance enhancement. And in the study, that's what they were testing, was they were testing short-term performance enhancement. They're saying 30 and 60 minutes afterwards. So that's like, yeah, you know, that's very short-term. Whereas a lot of times as a biohacker, you're going to use things like the B vitamins, for example, for long-term performance enhancement and long-term health. And then they also mentioned vinpocetine. You guys might want to check out my vinpocetine videos because I'm not that big of a fan of vinpocetine. I, vinpocetine doesn't, doesn't help everybody. And I'll take a look at the Google results here. So this is, this is again funny. If I look up calf plus, the very first Google result is the study that said that it was not, not great. And then I don't even see, I don't see any company selling calf plus. So bit of a bit of an oddity here. Let me finally get to the question that the guy posed though. He said, if this is truly the case, does this pose a risk with many other supplements being combined with caffeine or other nootropics in the sense of them being less potent or inferior? No, I don't think so. I think uh, this study is indicating, if anything, that it might be beneficial to combine caffeine with those nootropics. Like I will often take uh, uh, the nootropic stack that I'm on right now. It contains a number of different ingredients. It contains a, a B6 and B12. Certainly it contains some tyrosine, maybe even a little bit of vinpocetine. And I will typically have a, a coffee along with my nootropic stack. And these are, uh, caffeine is going to be complementary. Uh, it's this, this study at least certainly doesn't indicate that there's any conflict in between the caffeine and the nootropics. It's just saying that actually the caffeine itself was better than this one stack. And I'm a, I'm a little, this is a little bit odd too because I did Google there, this and CAF Plus, I can find no more details about it out there on the internet. I can't find any company that's manufacturing it. And importantly, I certainly don't see any certificates of analysis of the ingredients of CAF Plus. So what will happen sometimes is these 
nootropic stack products will combine a multiplicity of ingredients, but the individual ingredients will be of shoddy quality. They'll be like crap that comes from some factory in China that doesn't do a very good job of quality assurance, and then they won't end up working very well. And so just based upon this study alone and a quick Google search, I, I don't, I can't speak to the quality of the individual ingredients of CAF Plus. So I would say that it's, it's perfectly fine to continue to use uh, caffeine in combination with other nootropics. And this study itself would even kind of raise my level of skepticism that I have about uh, nootropic stack products that just contain a couple of generic ingredients like L-theanine, venpocetine, tyrosine, and a couple of B vitamins that unless there's a, uh, a real special ingredient in there, uh, it might not even outperform just uh, good quality coffee. So that's, that's why you want to take a little bit deeper look at the mechanism of the nootropics that you're going to be taking uh, as opposed to just being like, hey, this looks cool. There's a bunch of different ingredients. It, it must be good, right? Okay, next question. Someone said, hey, bro, I am fine to meet you, and I know that Dual Back Pro sounds good, but it is so cost, and many users can't afford. After all, it is like a thing that forces you to pay money and then play for a specific reason. I hate Dual Back Pro, which is annoying. Uh, the R reason, since it is good that it has a very good user interface, but I think that Dual Back Pro by Tiersk, I haven't heard of this one, which is free to play, comes the same as the Dual Back Pro, so I would like to do the free one. The fact that it convinces you uh, it is better, has a better UI compared to others. Oh, geez, guys, in the future, you really need to spell check these comments properly. Okay, I think I finally got a good person like you. I'm not trying to please you. I think he means he's not trying to flatter me. Uh, please answer my question. What is the various methods of chunking? Can we chunk in different patterns of the same end back level? Please respond to me and I subscribe to you. Okay, I will respond to you even though your spelling is atrocious here. Run, run a spell check, man. Even though I, I realize you're probably writing in your uh, second language here, but you know, hey, there's there's spell check to clean up the grammar a bit, so so you can at least uh, be clear. Okay, so yeah, you can use whatever dual end back program you like, but the stakes stakes matter, and when you pay money for something as opposed to just getting it for free you're going to you're going to inevitably get more out of it because you have the sunk economic motivational mechanism working for you when you pay for something you're just going to get more out of it i remember years ago actually about a decade ago when i was first getting into internet business stuff i was like I, I went and found all these great internet courses about how to do business on the internet and get rich. And I was like, you know what? And they, they're all rather expensive, right? And so I said to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I don't have to pay the, the money for these internet courses. I'm just going to go and find torrents of them and download torrents and then watch the internet courses for free. And so I did that. 
And I have to admit to you that there was one course that actually really ROI'd for me, that I really made my money back on it. Uh, I think I did a couple of transactions of doing domain flipping, which is something you might you might want people might want to look up. I'm not sure if it's really a viable way to make money anymore though, but it was at one point. Uh, I the domain flipping thing was way more profitable for me than any of the other internet courses that I took. And interestingly, the domain flipping was the one course that I actually paid for. I paid $99 for this course. And then that made me really motivated to actually work at the thing and get some value out of it. And boy, I actually got a lot of value out of that. I did some profitable domain flips, certainly. So that's why I encourage people to use the paid version, the dual end back pro, which is a bit more expensive. There's a package that I think starts at like $7. It, there's a free version so you can try it, but the introductory package is $7. And then the package that I really think people should go for is $29. And that's like a year's, a year's worth of brain training. And if you shell out the $29, you're gonna actually take it take it seriously and improve your mind. That's why I like that, but you can certainly keep using the free one. Okay, you mentioned something about chunking, but your question wasn't that clear. You want to avoid chunking while doing dual end back. Chunking is the idea that you kind of just, uh, you kind of just respond instinctually or you respond intuitively, that you're watching the little block jump around on the screen and you're trying to recall what was the verbal piece of information that goes along with it. And that what you do when you're chunking is you kind of just respond intuitively and you just kind of say, does it feel like the block was in this position three and back ago? And if it does, then you indicate so. And Chunking is, I think, not recommended. My understanding is that what you want to do is you want to be uh, internally in your mind saying the positions, reading the positions out in your mind, and that by doing that, you're exercising your working memory a bit more. I'll, I'll have to contact Mark Ashton Smith and see if there's a, a benefit to intuition of doing the chunking. I don't think there is though. So you, you, you probably want to try to avoid that. Hope that helps. And then the final question is about one of my favorite adaptogens. That would be rhodiola. And a guy named Jason asked, is rhodiola okay to take if one has low cortisol? I've heard that it's great for reducing high cortisol, but can it raise low cortisol? I think so. And here's why. So there's there's the book on rhodiola which which I read. It's it's a great book if you really want to if you really want to learn everything there is to learn about this fascinating nootropic. Uh, check out this book, The Rhodiola Revolution. And I was looking through that book. I searched for cortisol and uh, what they're describing here is that, okay, 
Um, even among people with chronic fatigue syndrome, only 30% showed a brief elevation in cortisol first thing in the morning, and the remaining 70% levels of the hormone held steady. The jump in cortisol that occurs during the first hour after waking indicates an imbalance in the regulatory feedback systems of the HPA axis. It is not a sign of a shortage of cortisol or of any abnormality in the adrenal glands. This helps explain why attempts to treat burnout or chronic fatigue with cortisol supplementation in the form of hydrocortisone have weak or mixed results. In one recent study, so there's a study showing that it wasn't all that great. Uh, according to the studies, the drop in cortisol levels that occurs in some people with chronic fatigue syndrome is due to an imbalance at the higher levels of the HPA feedback system that is in the pituitary gland and hypothalamus rather than the adrenals. In these people, adrenal capacity appears to be normal. The false notion that threat, that stress can exhaust the adrenal glands causing a cortisol deficiency, that's what you're dealing with, Jason, that's correctable with supplements, has been exploited to sell useless products. Unfortunately, uh, it has led to consumers suffering from fatigue to overlook other treatments like rhodiola rosea that has been proven to replenish energy reserves. So rhodiola, rhodiola does a ton of really great things in the body. In fact, there's, there's, there's a bit of a mystery as to why this is an example of a phenomena with, with, without a theory that thoroughly explains it. Rhodiola does some really amazing things for the, for our vagus nerve and for the autonomic nervous system, because the, the autonomic nervous system, it breaks down over time just due to a lot of different things. Might have something to do with your stress levels, might not. And rhodiola uh, can actually help that. So I would suggest here, uh, I would suggest here that if you got low cortisol, if you're dealing with chronic fatigue, then yeah, go ahead and try rhodiola. Try it, try it for a while, in fact. It, this might be a thing where you need to take a high dosage of rhodiola and take it for like several months, and it may, it may correct that. And even if it doesn't, rhodiola is one of those things that it's not all that expensive, and it does a bunch of other really good things for you anyways. Like rhodiola is kind of one of those things that we should all sort of be using anyways. So I would say if you are suffering from low cortisol, this might... Uh, adaptogens could definitely help to rebalance that. If you're dealing with chronic fatigue, I believe the best nootropic for chronic fatigue would be Eleuthero, which is another, which is another adaptogen. And then if you might also, I'll, I'll throw out a crazy idea to you. This is a little bit higher risk, a little bit, a uh, little bit more of an experimental thing. You might want to consider taking yohimbi or it's also sometimes looks like it's pronounced yohimbine and this is a nutraceutical which increases adrenaline actually so it's supposed to be really amazing for people that go to the gym uh bodybuilders use this because it it allows them to you know really go hard at the gym Right, and it's supposed to do some some zany things to your uh, to your libido levels. So yohimbine is uh, it, it's it's something where you may have 
you know, you probably have almost no adrenaline, I, I would imagine. I'm not, I'm not sure though. But you might want to give that one a try because my understanding is that doing very small amounts of yohimbine, like very small amounts, I, I think like five milligrams of yohimbine, it can give you an adrenaline boost, which is not, not excessive. And it actually gives you a bunch of motivation and energy and aggressiveness. Not sure if it does anything for your cognition, but it might do something for chronic fatigue that you may be dealing with. So I'll link in this podcast in the notes to Yohimbine, you can check that out. You can check out everything else that I described. Those are all the questions that I received today. And as always, I look forward to a continued conversation with you. Legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.